Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from what I watched tonight at England and joining me from across the pond in America is John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, sir? I am doing very well, Matt. Um, had a lot of movie conversations uh, with some friends over text this morning. Um, so I'm, I'm like in full movie discussion mode yeah. right now. So I'm like ready to go. It's a damn good thing we do a movie podcast. And one, my friend, if you didn't know, guys, it's bloody awesome. Uh, John, Christmas has, I say, been and gone. We're still in the Christmas season, the holiday season. Uh, however, the big day has passed now. How was your uh, celebrations in Shea Burke? It was quite nice. Um, I got some cool uh, movie nerd stuff. And, um, you know, my daughter bought my wife and I uh, a new air fryer and um, yes. a new toaster. Um, and so I uh, haven't actually even got to break open the new air fryer, but we had a pretty nice air fryer. And this one is somehow actually a little nicer. And I'm very <laughs> excited. Uh, the whole air fryer trend, we were just on the beginning of it. And uh, I don't know how we lived so many years without one. Cause it's just, I, I do so many things in the, the air fryer. Um, and it's, it's great. So, uh, it was a good little Christmas. Um, very quiet, very kept at home, but how about you, uh, over there in the UK? Was it everything you hoped it would be? As always. Yeah, it's very good. Christmas is always busy. So, uh, Christmas day and our boxing day, I think they celebrate that in Canada as well. Uh, Commonwealth buddies. Um, it was busy. It was very much a family affair, but uh, obviously with Olivia, my daughter, it makes it all the more worthwhile because you know, that's what it's all about. You know, Santa Claus comes. Um, so that was fun. But no, it's good fun, fun my friend. I got, lots, I got some movie stuff as well. Lots of Star Wars stuff, as is now the process. I've become very easy to buy for in my older years. The socks, yeah. smelly stuff, or just something with the Star Wars logo slapped on. I'm a consumer like that. Uh, the internet would hate me, you see. But, um, yeah, no, it's very nice, my friend. Very, very excited, uh, as always. I'm a big kid for Christmas. Um, it's still not over yet. We've still got a new year. This is actually our last episode before the uh, 2023 begins. So this is our final episode of 2022. Question is, though, John, are we going to go out with a bang or a whimper? I'll tell you guys in a minute, because we do, we do non-spoiler reviews on this show the bloody awesome movie podcast non-spoilers for tonight's film we'll be dropping a spoiler review on monday john it's a big one it's a streaming film but it's a big one we are talking about glass onion a knives out mystery now don't ask ryan johnson if he likes that subtitle because he hates it in fact he hates the knives out mystery part but that's what it's called as per the poster uh, so it's written and directed by ryan johnson himself and it stars Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Dave Batista, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, and Madeline Klein. As usual, as per Knives Out, we've got a, we've got a stacked ensemble cast, and this is no different. The synopsis, we don't do spoilers here, and this synopsis is as spoiler-free as you could ever want. Famed Southern detective Benoit Blanc travels to Greece for his latest case. So there you go. That's all you need to know in a non-spoiler. Benoit Blanc, Daniel Craig, goes to Greece for his new case. Knives Out was very well received on this podcast, on many other shows, and critically as well. How does its sequel or subsequent follow-up uh, fare? John, we have got a double whammy on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Both critic and audience have yeah. this at 93%. That is high. Uh, Metascore, 81, 7.4 out of 10 IMDb. 
and on Letterboxd, it is 3.8 out of 5. Now, I've said this is only available on streaming. It is. It's, this is a Netflix release. However, it did have a limited theatrical run back in November. It did the festival circuit. It was here in London in September and October. Uh, it has been in theatres, obviously, for that Oscar push. And I do believe this film may be up for some by the time we get to nominations. But one more time then, if you haven't seen Glass Onion, we're not going to spoil anything on this show. On Monday's mini-sode, we'll give you all our spoilery thoughts. So... Uh, for context, John, Knives Out was my second favourite film of 2019 when it came out. It was number one from the time it was released. I think it was in October, September, October, until one of the last weeks, until Marriage Story came out, and I really, really liked that. That took number yes. one. But Knives Out I loved. I loved Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc with his southern drawl. I loved this kind of grounded mystery within a big old mansion. It felt... It felt, you know, it's tropey of Agatha Christie, but it felt right with Nathan Johnson's score, with a fantastic cast led by Jamie Lee Curtis and everybody else in it, uh, and Ade Armas, Chris Evans in his sweater. I thought it was a really clever, really tight, well-constructed film with an excellent twist, twist that I didn't see coming earlier on, um, which therefore turns the, as Ryan Johnson's done in recent years, he subverted expectations. Uh, I was extremely excited for Glass, Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Being straight to the push, I had a great time with this film, John. I really, really enjoyed it. I'll say up top, I, I marginally prefer Knives Out to this because it felt, Knives Out, I've mentioned it before, but it feels a little bit more grounded. Glass, Onion is a little bit more out there. It's a bit more, I don't want to say cartoonish, but it's a bit more flamboyant. Bit, a bit like Benoit Blanc himself. It's a bit more flamboyant this time. It's a bit more uh, self-aware almost, even more so than Lives Out. That isn't a bad thing whatsoever because this cast sells it. This cast is excellent. Janelle Monet has, has been getting a lot of plaudits. She is fantastic in this film. But I'm looking down the list there. Jessica Henwick doesn't get enough to do, which saddens me. Madeline Klein similarly. Mm-hmm. But that is just a sadly their character that's where they fall in the story everybody else so john in this story i think is very very good edward norton is great as uh as as a tech billionaire miles braun who has uh who owns uh, who owns the uh the facility that they go to the villa in greece that all of these uh the cast go to for a murder mystery weekend um we've got kate, kate hudson as an ex-model dave batista is a twitch streamer who has this trophy girlfriend played by madeline klein um katherine hahn is i can't even remember who katherine hahn is but she's a governor uh, she's, she's running for governor. governor that's right she's running that's right um and leslie Odom jr is who's going to be in the exorcist next year he's a scientist and everybody kind of plays in obviously they're there for a reason everybody's uh present and past and potential future weaves into each other's really well it's not just let's get people together randomly there is a reason for them to be there but with a good murder mystery john We've got to have some motive, and as we and as we go along, of course, motives are given for whomever is the victim, if there is one, and whoever did it, who done it. We, we, you know, it, it's very cleverly unravelled. I think in the middle of this, when we have a this film utilises flashbacks, which I think are great, but I also do think it hampers the pacing just a little bit in this. I think we spend too long in those flashbacks, but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to sound overly negative of a film, which I thought was great. Ryan Johnson's writing here is sharp. It's sharper. I would argue as well here. The twist is very good. I didn't see it coming. I'm sure people will say they did, but I didn't see it coming. The gags were good. JB, the characters are good. Daniel Craig. He's, you know, he's dusted off that boring old bond. Now he's having the time of his life. 
as Benoit Blanc. I cannot wait to see more uh, Knives Out mysteries. Sorry, Ryan, but that's what we're stuck with. We've got one more coming from Netflix. I know that. I could go on forever, but I'll let John have his say. I thought this was very good. I preferred Knives Out a little bit more. But the twists, the turns, the characters, the cast, the music again was great. The location was stunning. The writing was sharp. Not an awful lot wrong with it, John. What about yourself? So I, I think an important thing to note, the film acknowledges right away that it's filmed in 2020. Um, the characters yeah. are dealing with COVID uh, and in hilarious ways. And obviously there's a lot of commentary on the way uh, society responded to the pandemic in 2020. Um and I, I think that acknowledgement is important for two things. One is it explains a lot of the limitations of how big the cast is, where they're shooting. Like it, it, yeah. it, you know, it's a very isolated set by comparison to Knives Out, which is still a fairly isolated cast, but they do yeah. move around a little bit. Like there's a chase sequence in, in Knives Out that you can't have with Glass Onion, I think in the same way, just for production reasons and stuff yes. like that. And with that in mind, I think this film does an excellent job of utilizing its premise, but also like COVID's there, it's it's acknowledged, and then uh, in a kind of ingenious way, it's moved on, like it's brushed off, like the the mask come off very early on. I won't even say how because there's a, a fun cameo. Yeah, it's um, a few of those, season. isn't there? Yeah, um, but again, uh, this film is so much fun. Um, I think. Ryan Johnson does something that is important to the genre is a, a true whodunit is supposed to be solvable by the audience. Um, if you're paying attention, it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to solve it to enjoy it. The movie will at some point reveal itself to you, but there's a difference between having the rug pulled out from under you, like in saw where oh. they, they're like, Hey, <laughs> all of this stuff happened that you never saw or knew about, but here exactly. it is. And to be fair, that's the same thing uh, Soderbergh does with both Ocean's Eleven, probably 12 and 13 I've never seen, and uh, Logan Lucky, though, where you don't have the whole story until they want you to have the whole story. Yeah, everything's and, there in plain sight if you look hard enough. Right. And, uh, well, not in Saw, but... Uh, no, you're not in, in, this, in, in Glass Onion, yes. Yeah, in The Who Done It's that's an important part of the genre. I think Ryan does a tremendous job of doing that um, in both films, in Knives Out and Glass Onion. Um, I will say that right now, Glass Onion's my second favorite film of this year, and if you've been listening, you know what my favorite film of the year is. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying it's the best, but for mm-hmm. my sensibilities, for uh, performances, um, I think the, the, the look of this movie is gorgeous, like the production design. Again, oh, yeah. having a film where they are able to film and how they're able to do everything. I just think it works on so many levels. I laughed so hard throughout this film. I got lucky <laughs> and was able to see this in, on the big screen. There was a one-week uh, run. Um, yes. I got to see it a week before that uh, with a, at a critic screening. There was just like 10 of us. Um, I was definitely one of the most uh, – myself and a friend um, who's not a critic but uh, is frequently with us. He's good friends with a lot of critics. Um we were laughing a lot. Uh, the rest of the audience was not as loud as we were, but we were having just such a blast. I, I okay. love Craig in this role. Um, I, I like him as Bond too. Like I, I haven't seen a lot of the Bonds, but you, you listeners, you may also know I've been. I watched all the Roger Moore Bonds. Mm-hmm. Craig is my favorite Bond. Um, oh yeah, same here. But he is. I love him as Benoit Blanc so much more because he just seems to be having fun 
And it comes across to me that he's like, he loves playing this character. Uh, Dave Bautista has gone on record saying he was, he seemed much happier on the, this set than he did on, uh, Spectre, which might be because Spectre's trash, but that's, you know, um, I, I think everyone in this film seems to be having a really good time, but the highlight, aside from Craig just being amazing, um, and those blue, blue eyes of his, but, oh. uh, Janelle Monet is mm. so, outstanding in this movie i i uh was really bummed because they're pushing her for supporting actress and i don't know if that's fair um i feel like that performance takes on a similar role that uh mm. another performance in knives out takes on I, i'm i'm apprehensive i don't know what i can say i don't want to spoil not anything um, i put in my review that to say anything more about her and it's not and this isn't and this isn't us saying she's the killer or anything trust me no. she, that's not it but you, it's, you start getting spoilerific if you start looking too far into the character yeah and and also why certain characters are on the screen more because you have like if you look at the cast list it's not inherently uh in order of time on screen right like it's it's yeah, more yeah. by celebrity and uh or at least maybe perceived celebrity i feel like norton's star has taken several dings over the last couple of years, but he's, he's build number two here, but um, not to take anything away from him. There's um, for fans of film, which if you know, Johnson's work, you know, Johnson is a film nerd as well. And you see that in this, uh, he, he references a lot of things. There's some really fun cameos throughout the film. Um, this is a genre that is it, kind of, it had faded, um, but we're seeing a slight resurgence. We, we've gotten two Agatha Christie films and we got a movie about, an Agatha Christie book that has never been able to be adapted into a film because it's got a contract about its play run and uh, called see how they run, by the way. Um, We, I I enjoyed that movie more than some, but uh, only because I think (laughs) Saoirse Ronan so much fun in that film, but, um, but we've got three technically this year because we got, uh, we forget, but death on the Nile happened. You know, there was enough champagne to fill it. And uh, we, we, I think we must have drank it all, and that's why we don't remember that movie came out this year. That's um, the reason, John. <laughs> uh, because, but um, Johnson is is setting a bar that's so much higher. Because uh, Murder on the Orient Express, I thought it was mediocre. Um, Death on the Nile, I thought it was bad. Uh, See how they run. I thought it was fun. I don't necessarily think it excels as the Who Done It per se. It's there. It's not as good. Um, but at least you see the uh, the framework. I think what Johnson's doing, and he has a TV series coming out in January that it stars Natasha Leone in a whodunit series, which I didn't even mm-hmm. know was a thing. Um, but and then he's got at least at least one more Knives Out yes. mystery, which yes, uh, I agree with him on the subtitle. I really wish they had gone with Benoit Blanc, um, like a Benoit, Benoit Blanc, Blanc mystery. mystery or something. Yeah, M- yeah. much better. Because he's the central thread. The Knives Out has nothing to do with this. Yeah, that's at its all. own story. That's its own they case. Just, yeah, they just want to make sure the audiences know that this is a continuation of the character. And that's why I think if if they do a Star Wars, right, and go back and re-subtitle things, like maybe Knives Out should be a Benoit Blanc mystery, and then that becomes the the, mm-hmm. the running thread, that this is a yeah. Benoit Blanc tale. The Benoit Blanc saga or something, if, when they or release them all on DVD, Blu-ray. Ben, Benoit Blanc's Knives Out, or Benoit Blanc's Glass Onion. You know, yeah. like, I'm, I'm down. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and then they, just, that name makes they they explain the name because Glass Onion is a strange title. It's a Beatles song, and it's a metaphor for this, that, and the other. But they do explain it, don't they? You know, I didn't know the name of that song was Glass Onion. <laughs> <laughs> we do now. Uh, I do. I do. I've known. I've known since the movie came out because um, I think Sean afterwards was like, 
I knew the Beatles song. I was like, what Beatles song? And he's like, the one that's playing in the credits. I'm like, yes. That song I knew was called Glass Onion. Yes, one of course. Glass Onion, yes. I, I, of course, knew that. What are you talking about? I would ne- why would I ever not know that? something new every day, dude. I like the Beatles. That's just not one of the songs that ever really became a regular listen for me. Never um, mind them. But I, uh, oh, hot take. No, I, I like them, but I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't fawn over the Beatles. I think they're a very good band. Of course they are. Well, you must have been in a world where yesterday happened. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, I, I I absolutely adore this film. I think it's so much fun. Uh, I think the uh, the mystery part is there. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll wait for spoilers. I, I had a question, but I don't want to risk anything. But uh, I I'm I'm my biggest complaint about this film though is that it is a streaming movie. I I do think uh, Johnson makes films for the big screen, and mm-hmm. um, I've watched this on a TV. I watched this on a big screen. Sorry, um, yep. I had a good time with both viewings, but I do think uh, seeing it with a crowd and and having the collective gasp of you know hearing the murmurs when they think they've solved it or like the shock when they feel like they they didn't solve it or the laughs when the jokes land which there are so many jokes in this film yeah. um oh yeah and again a lot of references to other uh properties other whodunits other movies um other i mean there's a direct costume ripoff of a big not it's not a ripoff it, it's very purposeful um but i i would say the characters ripping off a look from another movie. I don't know if you caught it. Did you, did you, uh, it's, it's now circulating the internet. I've seen a lot of people talking about, it, but I caught it while I was watching it. Oh, it's a, you'll have to get, can you give us a spoiler free hint? Yeah. It's a PTA movie, uh, that has a big superstar in it. Yes. Yeah. There's yes. A, a costume borrowing in this film. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. But, uh, yeah, I, I had no issue with the flashback, uh, methodology. In fact, at one point in the movie, I was like, I don't know how this is going to be able to hit the two hour runtime that this movie is supposed to have. And then the flashbacks are, I'm like, oh, okay, that's how we're going backwards. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was wondering, um, cause I'm like, this mystery is moving quick. <laughs> but they did move it along quickly. I mean, this is 10 minutes longer than Knives Out, which surprised me because I always thought I, at the two, cause Knives Out, for me, the for me the pacing is more consistent in Knives Out, but it feels yes. that a bit longer. Whereas this film is so much more ostentatious and bright, and um, it is it is more contained. But at the same time, it's quite sprawling with some of the wide shots they utilize at the beginning of this thing because they're obviously getting as much of the beauty of Greece as possible. But um, yeah, yeah, it's not necessarily a film. Hey, look, the Bab trope. For me, they probably could have knocked five minutes off those flashbacks just to tie it up a bit. But I mean, I don't really have any complaints, John. I want—I'm trying to think of some. I don't really have any. You hit the nail on the head though when you mentioned the that there there isn't any kind of gotcha moments at the end where they start inserting moments that you never saw or you know quite feasibly could not have happened into this. You know, where when we start to unravel, when we start to unpeel the onion, shall we say? You look at it and you think, oh yeah, of course, or you go back and watch it a second time. Like I have like you, I watched it on the big screen, thankfully just before I got COVID. And then I watched it on Netflix when it drops again, it looks spl- wonderful on the big screen holds up on the little screen though. Um, yep. but yeah, I, upon second viewing, knowing what I knew it holds up and it's even more fun. I know people have said it, but it is just as much fun. Second time when you can look for these little sleight of hand moments. Uh, but I, I struggle to find an awful lot wrong with it, John. I love Ryan Johnson's work anyway, from brick up until now. Yep. I think each film gets better and better as they go along. I generally think his filmography is it goes on an upward trajectory. Looking forward to whatever the next Benoit Blanc Knives Out mystery is going to be. I imagine we've got to Same. wait another two and years or so. But the talk is that he he's not 
he's not like saying it's going to be three and done. Like he's, he is very invested in this, this style yeah, I mean, and this character. There's no need, there's no need for it. Cause we, we've spoken before. I think that, I think the trilogy is a, a dying fad in film. I don't think we need to have trilogies anymore to sell your IP. I think you can just have ongoing series and something like this. I mean, he can do like, like he did with the last Jedi. Um, you release the last Jedi, but, and, and then release something like knives out that, blew up more than he probably thought it was but with these films he can go back to doing a you know a another film or he's got his streaming series where he's he's doing as well you can do these films in between doing other films because they're not i mean they're getting bigger and bigger they, obviously the cast you need to get a good uh a good scheduler to get those cast members together but dude i'm just looking forward i mean i think there, there's a there, there's a fun discussion we can have at some time who would we like to see in the next one? You know, if we could pick five actors between us, who would we love to see in yeah. part three? That would be so much fun. But um, for for now, I really, really dug this. It's, you know, the, the, the Knives Out saga is two for two for me. And do you know what? I'm really looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, I, I just got um, a physical copy screener um, did. from Netflix. And uh, that made my world because I, I am such a fan of this movie. Um, I, I definitely going to rewatch it again. I have a goal. Um, I believe last week I said I hit movie 400 um, yes, for the done. year, but I found out that that was, uh, I knew that it wasn't uh, 400 unique films that it was, um, you know, cause I rewatched uh, how everywhere, everything everywhere all at once, four times in theaters. Um, I rewatched glass onion twice. I saw Nope twice. I saw bullet train twice. Like there were those few movies that I like double dipped on. Um, th- but I realized uh, today I have seen 399 unique films this year though. So I'm one unique viewing away uh from hitting a full 400 unique movies meaning you know not necessarily that i've never seen before but i didn't watch this year so like i will have watched 400 films some of them more than once by the end of the the actual uh fiscal year if you will and uh i so i i want to rewatch this but i also now i have this priority i have to pick what is my 400th film going to be for the year because to me it's a big milestone i've never watched that many movies in a single year um, and especially not 400 unique ones. Uh, so yeah. that's uh, a pretty, and again, I did that on accident. It wasn't a plan when the year started. Um, I just got really invested. I did cover a couple of extra festivals this year. Um, looking to go to New Orleans next year uh, for the Overlook Festival, a horror film festival. Nice. Matt, yes. if you could get to uh, the States, man, that might be the one. Um, it's very much out with my alley, that is, Tuna. Right, yes. and me and the Tuna we need to unite uh get a get a pint at a um a, you know a a nice uh new orleans bar and get some beignets uh i'm saying Not all these that. words i'm sure horribly i <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm, I'm uh, letting you riff with this but but you know uh maybe maybe we can uh pitch an idea for a new orleans set uh nice out because daniel craig like, it would feel like benoit blanc coming home maybe because i don't for sure know where he's from but uh <laughs> You know, the accent's not, it's Southern. Um, I wouldn't say it's Nolens, but you could, you could put him there. Uh, I would work with it. Um, you, could, right? you, could say, you could say he was born there and then he moved around the country a bit and he's got all these different aff- aff- affectations to his voice. Yeah. But we could say, uh, that's another question. Where do they set the new ones? Do they, do they come back to the States? Do they, go to, do they go to Australia? Do they come to England? I mean, hey, look, that would be the next logical step would be, you know, with Agatha Christie, like the birth of murder, uh, come yeah. to England. But um Man, it's so. This is why I don't want Ryan Johnson to end these. Because as long as the uh, as long as the output is still strong, that's the main thing. You can't just keep bashing these out if there's no from passion. But there's so many things you can do. 
Yeah, and we don't get box office numbers with Netflix, even though there was technically a box office. Yeah, um, but I think they said like it was viewed um, 80, 80 million times or something like that. I saw somewhere. Um, so it's, it's hate done you, well. All those Last Jedi haters. There is a lot of Last Jedi hate. I don't know if all of them are aware of Ryan Johnson by name, though. Um, I, I don't I, think I, they've seen any other films. <laughs> I taught Knives Out uh, right after I saw Glass Onion to yep. my film two group, and there is at least two last jedi haters in that class like they they constantly uh it's funny because they hate last jedi but i'm like do you like rise of skywalker they're like well no i'm like okay then um <laughs> do you like, show them looper as well like, look what they look at this this is a great sci-fi film yeah. don't tell them who um, it's by and say did you enjoy that and watch them say yes it's awesome but the whole class seemed to love knives out and i know a lot of them were excited to see glass onion um so hopefully they've all nice. watched it uh and have some thoughts that we can discuss when we get back from christmas yeah, well, um, uh, yeah. that's John's uh, Christmas, post-Christmas sort of then. Let's see what his film film uh, school, film class story thinks about Glass Onion. Well, we both seem to like it. Obviously, we're going to say two thumbs up here. And the fact yeah. that it's on Netflix, it's as long as you've got a subscription, it's readily and easily available for you to watch. Uh, looking forward to seeing how Glass Onion stacks up in the Bampies, which will be next week, which is our annual awards ceremony as well as the lesser known academy awards in a few months time but um that's our non-spoiler review of glass onion we'll be back on monday with our short spoiler mini-sode of glass onion and i was out mystery but let's move on now to our next section which we call chuffed headlines each week we take a movie or pop culture headline that catches our attention and then we bestow it upon each other and the world so john what on earth have you gone for this week so I went with a um, looking ahead mindset because this is the last week before 2023. Yes, and um, I pulled up an article from, I forget, what is it Screen Rant? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, IndieWire, sorry. It says IndieWire article, 82 must-see new films arriving wow. in 2023. Now, okay. Matt, I saw, I believe I've hit 190, um, no, maybe 180 uh, films from this past year. Does that uh, include documentaries? That does include documentaries. Okay, that's fine, yep. Uh, um, so I, I watched a lot of films this year. This is the most of any year I think I've ever seen, especially in the year. Um, there might be some uh, prior years that I've gone back to and really hit hard, but this this year, but without any hesitation, is the year I've seen the most films as they've come out. There's so um, many films coming out, dude. And there's a lot next year because we, we're getting stuff that was supposed to come out that got pushed back either production-wise or just decided to hold off because of uh, the weird stuff. But there's a lot coming out. Now, I've also – we um, next week, listener, it's a little preview into our BAMP world. We are going to be uh, doing the annual BAMPy Awards. Woo! And a new category that we're doing this year is what we're looking forward to. Um, so I don't want to, like, you know – say too much because i don't want to get into that but there's obviously a lot of movies coming out yeah. um and i thought i would highlight a few that i think are maybe a little lesser known or mm-hmm. uh are still um kind of like shaky as in are they really coming out or is it just speculation <laughs> yeah. um one uh is the ghostbusters afterlife sequel um yeah which is showing on this article as untitled Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel, but on Letterbox it's also showing as that. But the poster says Firehouse, which is what I've heard it called. I, th- I thought I wasn't sure if that was the the working title. Yeah, because they seem to call it. I mean, uh, what's his name? Gil Keenan and Jason Reitman have, have referred to it as Firehouse, but whether yes. or not that's official. But uh, either way, 
you and I were two of the the more positive voices uh, in the <laughs> yeah. critical community on Afterlife. We are uh, longtime Ghostbuster fans. We we definitely ate up all the nostalgia they threw in in our face. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see what happens next. Definitely apprehensive, um, you know, but I, I want it to be great and I want to see it. Um, I'm very, very hyped for it uh, myself. Um, I did not know uh, until recently that we are getting a color purple musical on screen. This has obviously been a like Broadway show, but now we're getting a film version of it um, that is directed by Blitz Bazawale. I am totally butchering that. I am so sorry. Um, but Taraji P. Henson, Danielle Brooks, uh, Col- Coleman Domingo are all in it. Corey Hawkins, um, just a really strong cast. Uh, Halle Berry, man, the more I look at the cast, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot wait to see this. Um, <laughs> I really like Spielberg's version, but I also have always, you know, it's, it sh- shouldn't have been Spielberg's movie. And so getting this uh, new version and a different version, it's not just a remake, it is a musical version. I am very excited to see. Um, and I didn't know that one was coming until I started looking into like what's what's happening. Uh, the film that has me, I think, on the fence the most because I have not enjoyed most of the Disney live action adaptations. Here we right? go. But I am. Ve- I don't know if you know which one I'm going to say. Um, I'm really, really hyped for Peter Pan and Wendy. Didn't expect that. Okay, because it's directed by David Lowery, who I mean, might be one of my favorite directors. So <laughs> yeah, I mean. And and he he has I think hands down the best live action adaptation, which debatable if you can call it a live action adaptation because Pete's Dragon technically is a hybrid animated yeah. live action to begin with. But I love his, and I was really really late to it. Like I had not seen it. I finally watched it, and I was like blown away by it. I think it's Bryce Dallas Howard's best performance, um, at least from what I can like. When I think back on her, I'm like I really love her in that movie, and. Um, I think it just the the tone and his kind of take on things. So I'm really excited. I like uh, a lot of Peter Pan content. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of va- variations. I haven't seen some of like I don't think I ever really sat through Pan, uh, which was that's the one where Hugh Jackman's Blackbeard, right? Um, yes, or or whatever. Like I I don't think I sat through that. Um, but uh, I watched um, Wendy from a couple of years ago, uh, and I really really liked that one. And I, I just Lowry with this material, I just think is going to be pretty incredible. So I am really looking forward to it, but it still falls into that slate of like live action remakes, which obviously you thought I was going to say the little mermaid, which I am also hyped yeah. for, but I don't know. Like there's no faith in Disney doing anything different enough to make it justified in its existence. I am. Um, I like the casting choices. Uh, I, I'm intrigued to see how that will actually play out as a film like they haven't shown us a lot yet to see like how is uh like sebastian are we going to get the under the sea you know like musical version i Mm -hmm. i'm i'm kind of curious to see they obviously cast a ariel who can sing yes at some point if you know the story she won't have a voice so it's going to be like what do you do with everything else like is everything else going to work and um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, on the fence for it, but those are like just a couple that really, uh, caught my attention. There's a lot here. I don't want to go too deep into it, but I thought I'd throw it over to you. Is there anything you thought, uh, worth mentioning? Um, well, like you, uh, we, I'll drop my kind of top five or most anticipated for next year on the Bampies, but I've managed to kind of put out, put out a few, which, um, 
I've actually got on. I have a spreadsheet of geek of what's coming out next year per month, so I can kind so so I can kind of guide my direct myself what to watch because as uh, like just with this list, there's so much coming out. It's almost impossible to try and keep on track of it. Uh, on top of it, unless you are keeping track of it, but uh, there's a film coming out in April called "Are You There, God?" It's me, Margaret, which is adapted from a, a YA novel. But it's written and directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, who did The Edge of Seventeen, which I thought was fantastic. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, and it's and it's another kind of coming of age story. This one is a, is a slightly different angle about a kid who grows up with no faith in a um, in an interfaith marriage um, with, with her parents' interfaith marriage. So, but it's got it's going to have all of uh, Kelly Freeman Craig's sensibilities of which she imbued with that film, uh, which I'm very very excited for, just because. I really, really, really dug um, uh, the first one I mentioned, Edge of 17. Sorry, I was just going through this list again, trying to uh, pick out the ones I'd seen. But uh, there's one I'm going to mention in a minute, which I'll say for my part, it was just a fun little um, a fun little headline I had. But we got Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, John. The Winnie yeah, the Pooh yeah. horror story. I mean, it looks bloody awful, but I'm still going to watch it. Same as Cocaine Bear. I'm still going to be there watching a massive bear coked up and fighting people who isn't yep. going to want to watch that uh there's another there's another film on this list which i'm going to mention so actually i'll mention it now because i was going to mention it in my next section because i haven't watched it but i'll mention it now because i'm going to watch it tonight but it's a film called skinnamarink it's oh, uh, yeah. it's an ifc release but it's a sh- it's coming out on shudder in about two weeks time it it, it, it kind of in and around the time that terrifier 2 came out obviously the, the low budget film which blew the box office doors off Skinnamarink came out on the festival circuit and scared the living hell out of people. It's apparently a very low budget nightmare fueled gem. So I've been, um, I I have a decent relationship with IFC films. They provided me with a screener. I was going to watch it last night, but I was watching something else. So I'm going to watch it tonight. Skinnamarink. And apparently this is genuinely just hardcore. Apparently it is a, 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 a tough watch. So, Dude, uh, sounds like my kind of film. I'm in. So Skinnamarink is another one I'm looking forward to, a, a low-budget horror film which will be dropping on Shudder in a few weeks' time. Uh, another one I'll put one more in, John, is Missing, um, which is to follow up to Searching, which was John Cho. He led to that oh, film. Yeah. Uh, Anish Chaganti uh, directed it. Set fi- this film, Missing, is set five years after that. Uh, I like searching. I know you did as well. And we were, you were blowing the horn for that. And I went to see it and I really dug it. So missing the, the follow up to that set five years later. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. But and I, I believe unrelated outside of the, the style I, of film. I do think so. Yeah. I was just, I was just um, flitting through the uh, synopsis there. The, the film, the, the editors of searching Nick Johnson and Will Merrick are debuting uh, as directors on this feature with their own script inspired by an original idea from Triganti and his searching co-writer Sev Ohanian. So uh, details are kept under wraps, but uh, so it, it's, it's cut from the similar cloth. The people who worked on that first film will be coming back to work on this film. But yeah, like you say, I think this is just an unrelated event set five years after that first film within the same quote unquote worlds, but I think it's going to have nothing else to do with it. But um, the fact that IndieWire can give 82 films to look forward to next year, John. And the funny thing is this list only goes up to, well, June, 2023. It ends with yeah. extraction two. That's half the year and that's 82. So, you know, you want to double that for the next 
part, 164 films they're saying are must watch. That's one every, almost one every, every other day. So talking about films to consume, there's going to be a lot. I'm, I've, I'm over 130 this year, not including documentary. So not a bad year either, JB. Keep trying to keep pace. But, uh, I think when it comes to our bampies next year, we've, next week, sorry, and next year, we've certainly, certainly consumed an awful lot of films from this year. But, uh, one of, one of the, what my, my headline does, does kind of tie in. I, it's a it's a lot more fun we'll say fun it's um there's less stakes to it but it's a film that's coming out next year i picked it because well we're in the spirit of 2023 one of the um stars of this film is in the film we're talking about that's kind of what drew me to it because we spoke off air about dave dave batista there Mm. are things going around on, on twitter especially saying that dave batista is the best um wrestler turned actor you know, you look at people like John Cena and The Rock in recent years. People are saying Dave Bautista is the best. And we was we were talking about that off air. And I said, you know, he's certainly got a, a, a very good filmography, even if he only has small roles within those films. I mean, he's in Denis Villeneuve's Blade Runner 2049. Only has a small role. But he is, he is also, he does also have a 10, 15 minute short film, which ties in as the same character, Sapper Morton. So, mm-hmm. and he's been, he's, like I say, Spectre. He's worked with, uh, he's obviously been in Dune, worked with Ryan Johnson now. His um, next film, oh, Nick, go on. You've got more on the top of your head. The underappreciated Stuber. No, with, I wasn't want to say that. Come on, man. Him and Kamel are funny. Hey, Kamel's great. I think that movie's funny. I obviously, it's not like an outstanding masterpiece, but it's so, <laughs> it's so entertaining. Um, I have not rewatched it, but I enjoyed it the first viewing, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, he was also in a really, really bad Sky Original fo- soccer football film called Final Score, which is just the cheesiest title. And he ba- he has to run around a, a, a football stadium here in the UK because I think some Russian terrorists have got a bomb and they're going to blow it up whilst the match is going on, and they've got to he's got to stop it before the full time whistle blows, and it is dreadful. But it's mm. a payday. It's a it's another way to kind of get more experience under your belt. But Dave Bautista's next film, JB, comes out next year. It was on the IndieWire list, and it's going to be directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It's called Knock at the Cabin. Um, obviously, M. Night's last film was Old, which I think we both enjoyed. You were a fan of Old, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it wasn't like my favorite Shyamalan, but it, yeah, it no. was it was it's an interesting study, if nothing else. Yes, I thought it was. I thought it was very decent as well. Uh, again, not not his best film. It's not necessarily a return to form either, because you know he's always been up and down. But I, I think we both agreed that we'd rather have M Night, someone like M Night, who at yeah. least pushes this kind of content out rather than your safe, you got your safe film each time. But his next film is called Knock at the Cabin, and it stars Dave Bautista and Rupert Grint, Ron Weasley from harry potter and he's, he's, done, yeah. he's done a lot of tv work and some stage work but you're going to get dave batista and rupert grint on the same stage on the same film together which i never thought we'd ever get but we're also getting abby quinn nikki amuka bird as well but we've got a new poster that's released which i think is a an exceptionally good poster like a really cool art style um and i'm looking forward to this the jonathan groff is in it from of frozen fame i think he was um he was Sven, the reindeer's mate, um, Christoph. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Groff was Christoph. I should, I haven't seen huh. it for a few months now, John, so I forget. But oh. um, the film, it follows a couple and their young daughter who take a trip to a remote cabin in the woods. Uh-huh. During their stay, the trio is approached by four menacing strangers who tell them they must make a choice in order to prevent the apocalypse. So it goes from cliche to what? 
straight away, but I saw the trailer for this a while ago in front of a film I can't remember, and I thought the trailer looked good. Uh, I'm looking. I, I'm always up for M Night, even though I'm just waiting for the final third to see what the, tr- the twist is. But um, yeah, I just thought it was a fun, a fun little tie into one of the stars of today's film, one of the films to look forward to, maybe next year. Plus, a kind of weird weird kind of tie up between Shyamalan, Dave Bautista and Rupert Grint. But um the, the the new film, are you looking forward to Knock at the Cabin at all? Are you looking forward to seeing Ron Weasley back? I I am looking forward to the movie. Um I keep forgetting about Ron Weasley being in it, but uh yeah. um you know I'm instantly uh knowing Shyamalan, I'm like, okay, what's the twist? You know, like it exactly. just it reeks of that and that's not a bad thing. Um but I am curious to see what's he doing here because I oh man, um, he has interesting takes on things. I don't necessarily always agree with his takes, but he definitely has like an outlook, and that's what I appreciate about his films. Is they are they ha- they have a point. There's something he's trying to say. I think he would still benefit from a co-writer at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely sold. Um, it does look like Batista is going to have a major role in this film. So. Uh, yeah, see, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he handles that. Yeah, so we'll be able to see that. I think it comes out in oh, maybe April next year. First, I think it's the first first quarter, first four months of next year. But yeah, Dave Batista, uh, Rupert Grint, guys, rich enough to not have to ever work again. But here he is with M Night Shyamalan. So uh, that was my uh, headline. Less stakes than John, but it kind of tied in. Now let's move on to the next part of the show, John. Media consumption. Here we. Uh, we tell each other about the movies, the TV series, the games, music, podcasts that aren't ours. Whatever we've used to pass the time since the last episode. JB, what you been checking out? I'm sure it's a short list as usual. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start with my <laughs> non-movies. Um, I started playing a game on my phone called Marvel Snap. Yes. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are playing it. It's a card game kind of thing. Um, I really, really like it. I've played it maybe too many hours this week. Um, but uh, I was very late to getting to it, but I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, and then, um, Letter Kenny, uh, is one of my favorite TV series. Um, I didn't know about it really until this earlier this year. I think I jumped on the bandwagon. And I watched the first 10 seasons. Uh, there, there's like six episodes, I think on average per season. And then there's usually a bonus seventh episode that is a different holiday special every year. Um, nice. which is always fun because they hit some holidays that other people wouldn't ever think to do a special on. Um, and the new season, the six episodes dr- just dropped. I watched them all in two days. Uh, they are like 22 minutes. Uh, it's a it's a very funny, uh, wild show. I just can't stress enough how progressively smart it is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Definitely check it out. Um, and every I, I learned so many ca- uh, Canadian euphemisms. Um, like <laughs> for all sorts. Of, like I didn't know. Uh, I've, every season I have to Google something to like. Wait, what is this talking about? And then I have to like read a Wikipedia article to like. Oh, okay. I appreciate this now. I didn't know this was Learning. a thing in Canada. Um, so, um, but then uh, I watched a bunch of Christmas movies up until Christmas. Um, and then I, I've stopped. Uh, Christmas hit. I watched the final Christmas movie on Christmas. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Moving on. Um, <laughs> no. but, um, here's what I've, I've caught. Uh, I'm going to kind of just power through. And if there's any of the Christmas movies you want to stop and talk about, or I want to highlight, I'll come back to it. But these okay. are the Christmas movies I've watched since we last recorded. Um, 8-Bit Christmas, A Christmas Carol, the 2009 uh, Robert Zemeckis film, uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which is not technically a movie, but it's almost How long was enough it? to be a feature. I liked it. Um, okay. It, it, it made me excited for Guardians 3. Um, 
It's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie. Um, I'm going to come back to that one. The Muppet Christmas Carol, which is an annual rewatch because it's oh, the classic. best Christmas Carol. Uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas, which is not technically a movie. It's a you know TV special, but I, I had to watch it. Uh, Home Alone. Noel, that is the uh, N-O-E-L-L-E. Oh, Anna Kendrick, um, is it? Yeah, which I watched when it came out in 2019, when it was like one of the first Disney Plus originals yes. that we got. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. I think it's an underappreciated film. I find that un- endlessly charming. Bill Hader's great in it. Uh, um, uh, I'm going to forget his name, the guy who wrote, or who, I think he wrote Bros. He stars in Bros. Um, oh, Billy um, comedian. Billy uh, Eichner. Yeah, he's in that as well. Uh, but uh, A Muppet's Christmas Letters to Santa, and... Um, sorry, a couple more. A Christmas Story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and that's the end of the Christmas movies. Wow. Um, now, I want to go back to a couple. 8-Bit Christmas is uh, the 80s kids' A Christmas Story, which I did not know when I went into it, but it's very much the same plotting as The Christmas Story, but um, instead of a Red Rider BB gun, it's a Nintendo Entertainment System, and um, all of the reasons why they say he can't have it, and you know th- that kind of thing, and the... Uh, it's a flashback. Neil Patrick Harris is playing the adult telling his daughter the story about how he first got a Nintendo back mm-hmm. when he was a kid. Um, and that's, so you get that same, you know, storytelling mechanism, except you actually see uh, the adult telling the story at times. So it's it, in that way, it's got a princess bride vibe too. Right. Um, I mean, other stories have done that, but uh, yeah. I, I found it very enjoyable and, and very relatable, uh, but it's definitely a lesser Christmas story. Um, then, uh, I watched for the first time. It's a very merry Muppet Christmas movie because I didn't know it existed until I went to see it's a wonderful life in theaters the week before. And (laughs) um, one of the trivia questions was what uh, other adaptations or um, recreations of it's a wonderful life exist. And Kermit plays a, uh, I mean, in it's a very Muppet Christmas at some point, Kermit is presented a guardian angel type character. And he says, I wish I was never born. And then we see the world if Kermit had never been born uh, very much, you know, that, that tale. And yep. uh, so I had to watch it when I found out it was a thing. I watched it. I enjoyed it, told my wife about it. She wanted to watch it. So I rewatched it. So I actually saw it twice uh, ha- after having never seen it. And I, I think it's very good. David Arquette plays the guardian angel. Um, <laughs> uh, Whoopi Goldberg plays God essentially, although they don't outright say it's God. It's very clearly supposed to be God. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, if you've never seen it and you're a fan of the Muppets, I, I say that one's on the list to, uh, to check out. Um, Sweet. I'm on it. So those were my Christmas movies. And then I've been watching other things uh, this week. Um, I caught Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical, which is on Netflix. Um, I believe you also saw that one. Um, I did. I really, really liked it. Uh, I thought um, Lashana Lynch as Miss, Miss Honey is fantastic and has a quote in the movie that kind of represents my whole philosophy on teaching, which I think she says something like teach with respect and, and kindness or something like that. Um, and I'm like, yep, that's the way I approach this. Uh, unlike the other teacher who is a nightmare and seems to want to basically ruin everyone's life. Um, yes. Uh, I, so I really love that. I thought there's some really good songs in it. Not all the songs to me are great, but the ones that are really, really hit. Um, and I like those a lot. Um, I caught Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance. It's not hers. I'm sorry. Whitney Houston, colon, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on where you look, the title seems to be I Want to Dance with Somebody. But also, <laughs> like, I guess they were afraid people wouldn't know it's a Whitney Houston reference. So, um, But my wife and I went and saw that. Uh, 
I think the performances are solid. I think the music is great. I think the uh, the writing is weak, and I don't really know why the movie exists outside of like it does tell us what the thesis is, but I don't think the movie ever actually addresses the thesis in a way that is like, well, this is why this movie was made, um, which is disappointing because I I think uh, I think the thesis might be right that she's the greatest voice of our her generation, mm-hmm. but I don't think the movie does a good job of really like making that point outside of like here's some songs like yes. Okay, a Spotify playlist would have been sufficient then, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> yes, uh, but not bad either. You know, it's it's very watchable. Um, could be a little shorter, as we say, way too often. Uh, it's the way it is. I had a friend of the podcast uh, really, really push that I watch a 2000 film called Return to Me with David Duchovny and Minnie Driver. Okay, um, I haven't seen that. I hadn't heard of it, uh, to be honest. Um, I it's 2000, so I'm probably at that age i'm like i'm 18 i'm like oh chick flick or whatever because it's a rom-com which now as a 40 year old i love rom-coms and i don't know why i was ever that way outside of society made me feel i had to be that way now i freely admit my love of rom-coms uh it, it's more rom than com but duchovny is really good in it um uh david allen greer is great as a like a friend it's got um it reminds me of Moonstruck in some ways. And then uh, honestly, it's like a precursor to the big fat Greek wedding because there's this family dynamic um, with Minnie driver's character that I think is reminiscent in both of those films. And um, I, I, I cried like three times. It's really good. I actually liked it a lot. Um, I'm, nice. I'm kind of bummed because I rented it uh, because it was 15 bucks to buy digital. It was four bucks to rent. So I was like, well, I'm just going to rent it and streaming services. Hear me out. If I rent a movie from you, when it's over, you should offer me to buy it at a discounted price for the rental fee. Yes. Because I would rent more movies if I knew that would happen. Like if I knew I could d- decide to keep it for that extra little bit of money versus like, here's five bucks. And now I got to spend 15 bucks if I want to own it. Like I'm probably just never going to own this movie now unless it goes on sale for like five bucks or something. Right. Like, but if you offered me that, I would have probably dropped the, the additional 10 instantly. And I feel like you're missing a thing. Cause iTunes used to do that, right? When you, if you bought a single uh, of an album, like you yeah, bought the, this song, yeah. they would reduce the price of the album. They wouldn't make you buy that song again. And I feel like these streaming services are missing that opportunity to do the same. Um, because I don't rent movies very often because I would rather own it. So I usually will either wait till it's on sale or find a disc copy of it and just buy it like at a thrift store for two bucks. Um, but yeah, return to me. Very good. And then, um, this week on Netflix, White Noise is coming out. Yes. And so um, I've already seen it. I I'm, I know I'm going to be in the minority of, of the big, I love it. I think it's great um, mm-hmm. voices. But uh, I, I have a few gaps on Bombbox filmography. I, I have, I have uh, two left now to watch, and I will have seen all of his movies. And both are older, and one is not well-loved. So I'm not sure how excited I am for that one. But um, I did watch his 2010 film, Greenberg with Ben Stiller and Greta Gerwig um, and uh, Kicking and Screaming, not the Will Ferrell one, but the uh, 1995 one, <laughs> yeah. which has a bunch of people in it. Um, Eric Stoltz being one of the pr- bigger names in it, um, but he's not the lead. But uh, I like both of those. Um, they're not my favorite uh, Bombach films by any means, but uh, you see, uh, again, the thing about White Noise that I really love is how huge of a departure it is from his filmography. It is nothing like any of his other movies. And having now seen almost every one, I feel very confident in making that declaration. Like his other movies are predominantly talkies, very quiet, mm-hmm. very, you know, down to earth drama. White Noise kind of starts there, but 
does not stay there um, at all. And I, I found that so surprising because it's, it's, he, he found so much success with marriage story. There is no reason for him to pivot so hard with white noise. And he did. And I love that. Um, I, I think that's such a cool thing for a filmmaker to do because logic says you make another marriage story type movie because you got a lot of award recognition, but now maybe you can use that to like get that next level. So you win those awards more. Um, And instead he's like, no, I'm going to make a movie that's going to definitely piss a lot of people off and alienate some. And some people won't get what I'm trying to do. Yep. That's what I'm going to make. And I'm like, I I applaud that, sir. Yeah. Yeah, And I happen to enjoy the risks, but I, I understand why a lot of people don't, but, um, for me, that was a big thing, but that's, that's what I've been watching uh, a lot of stuff. Um, any questions before we see what you've been watching? What was the best thing you watched John uh, in the last week? Um, I think out of all of that, I would have to, I think I'm going to (laughs) say the Matilda, the musical, but return to me is high on that list. It's hard. I'm not, I don't want to count the Christmas movies because there's some stuff in there that I just will always, I have such a, a soft spot for, yeah, um, like yeah. a Christmas story, I don't think is is a masterpiece, but I love it, and it's it's one that it just sticks with me. Um, same thing with uh, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, or um, I, I'm starting to sour a little bit on Home Alone, actually, which is surprising to me because I've I've been a fan for such a long time, but it, it's I don't know something about it's wearing down where I'm just like, yeah, I almost didn't watch it this year, and I only watched the first one. I didn't even bother to jump into the second one, which I almost the music always will always win. Yeah, the music's great. The score for those movies are, are fantastic. No, well, mine has been uh, a little less this week, John, less uh, than you, because, um, well, you're much more prolific than I am in terms of film watching at home. But it's been busy going back and forward over Christmas. Um, So I haven't been able to watch as many films uh, as I would have liked to, John. But I did get a PlayStation 5. So that's something. Oh, um, yes. So I've got my PS5 now. I wanted to get it before the end of the year. I literally left it in the last week of the year to get it, but I have it now. Uh, so I've been playing Jedi Fallen Order on that, the uh, upgraded to PS5, just to see if I can notice a difference between the PS4 and the PS5, and you really can, just by looking at it. It just looks so much more layered and textured and the depth is there. Um, and I played Astro's Playroom, which is like a, it's just a fun kind of tutorial where it kind of gets you to grip with a new DualShock controller. I'm waiting on the quarry to turn up. I think I think you've played that, haven't you? I've started it. Um, yes. I then I got uh, Gotham Knights and I I put it aside and I've been meaning to get back into it, but I have yet to do so. There we go. Well, I've got that on on my, on the rental scheme I'm on, so that should hopefully turn up. Well, hopefully tomorrow, uh, so I can get crack on with that. And I'm gonna I'll probably play some Warzone or something soon just to have some fun with that. But um just been looking at games to play i've got spider-man hopefully on the way as well catching up with the ones i've missed now all looking forward to jedi survivor coming out next year amongst other games uh, in terms of films though john i also watched i want to dance with somebody or whatever the film's called in your territory and mm-hmm. i'm pretty much on very very much on the same level as you i think you nailed it that where the film tells you that whitney houston is the voice of a generation and hey look she probably is whitney houston is one of those she's a generational talent in a superb voice and her story i find very compelling but very sad at the same time it's one of those kind of what if you what if you went through this door rather than that door kind of you know how different could it have been but the film doesn't go to any great lengths at all to tell to kind of dive into the fact that she is the voice of a generation or why she is and you know you it, you kind of 
it, it will play a, a few bars of a song like I, you know, I, I will always love you from the bodyguard, and then it will just go and it'll just leave you. So it's almost like if yeah, you did this song, remember that. But it won't. It doesn't go into any of the fallout. It doesn't go into anything like that. We don't really find that much about the songwriting process in terms of all the song selection process. It's just know um, mm. uh, Whitney Houston and her her what? agent, her manager, the studio manager. Clive, who's fantastic, actually. Stanley Tucci's great. So Stanley good. Tucci's just great in everything. Genuinely, yeah. at the time, I think now he might be one of the one of the most underappreciated actors, even though he's in so many films now. But he's great. Him and Naomi Aki together. Naomi Aki, I think, is excellent as Whitney yeah. Houston. I think she's great. I think she she sells her role. I think her on stage persona is bang on the money. Is Whitney Houston actually? Uh, I think she really does do a fantastic Whitney isms in terms of how she handles herself in terms of how she uses her hands how she moves and the way even the way she emotes with her face she's great and i think she's a really really good up-and-coming actress for of the rise of skywalker fame naomi aki of course and um lady macbeth a few years back um her new film though sounds quite excited just to as a um uh as a uh, as a sidestep it's not new but it's it's coming out in 2024 it's uh bong joon ho's new film uh with robert pattinson stephen yun tony oh, collette yes Mark Ruffalo, Holiday Granger, and Naomi Aki. That's an American sci-fi film. That's going to be awesome. However, yeah, it, it, it's fine. It's, I, I mentioned today on, online, it's very surface level. I want to dance with somebody. It doesn't really dive into much. It kind of hints and nods that, oh, you know, it says, you know, is she a lesbian? And, and how Bobby, the infamous kind of relationship oh, with Bobby Brown. It's kind of, wink. I don't want to see domestic abuse, obviously, but it kind of winks and nods at things and, it, it, it is very much just like a load of vignettes. It's a load of, it's just a load of, mo- it's like a montage of moments thrown together. And every fifteen minutes, you get a song, you get a performance thrown in there. It's really, really misjointed, really odd way to structure and present a film. But thankfully, Naomi Aki is very good as Whitney Houston to kind of save this film alongside Stanley Tucci. But I, I don't anticipate this being. Yeah, this was released in prime Oscar season. I don't see it making any waves, maybe costume, uh, makeup they, and hairstyling. They weren't giving screeners for, uh, for this either from what I encountered. Um, yeah, by comp- like a lot of other movies were wanting to get into the critics award stuff. They wouldn't give us a screener to hit our deadlines. So, um, mm-hmm. they, they yeah, don't seem can. to have a lot of faith in it, especially considering it's the same writer from Bohemian Rhapsody. And I'm a big fan of Cassie lemons. Uh, I was excited yeah. when I saw she was directing. Director, yeah. I don't think she had a lot to work with. Um, I think the guy's very formulaic. Um, the thing with, to me, and I say this in my, my written review, um, is Bohemian Rhapsody, the best scenes are them writing the songs. And he yeah, tried to, yeah. yeah, and he tried to give us that, but for Whitney, and no offense to Whitney, because she's an incredible voice, but she was not a songwriter. So those scenes are like her listening to songs. And like, it's not to say she doesn't take, you know, she, she puts her own spin on things, but they don't really show that either. It's like, there's like one scene where we really get to see her like changing the way it's sung. But it's, it's more or less like these superfluous, like here, put these headphones on, it's Dolly Parton singing. And it's like, that's not a scene that we should have in this movie, because it's not really it doesn't do anything. That's a lot of this film is like, these are just scenes of things happening with no real dire consequence. There's no, the conflict that is there is always on like, it's almost under the surface. Like I'm glad we don't have like horrendously bad domestic violence scenes in the film, but at the same time, it's like, but that's the real, 
issue she's dealing with, like the I mean, struggle that she's having. We it's when all I came like, out of this film, John. I mean, thinking about it now, I mean, at the end, yeah, I'm not going to spoil the end, but obviously how it how how the film plays out, not the end credits kind of montage of um, black screen, white text. But what do we learn? It's kind of what I'm trying to think. What did I learn about yeah. Whitney Houston from this film? And the answer yep. is not an awful lot. Not an awful lot. Which is it, which is a shame. But uh, Naomi Aki and Stanley Tucci absolutely save this film. To me, the thing, and I, I say again, I, I don't mean to quote myself in reference to my own review, but um, I uh, I really think the Steve Jobs Jobs biopic comparison, um, the Danny Boyle Steve Jobs film versus I don't even know who directed Jobs, but whoever did that one, um, mm-hmm. Jobs attempts to show Steve Jobs' entire life from like basically to the moment he meets Wozniak until he dies. Yeah. Um, and it's boring and it's not Ashton Kutcher's fault. I don't think that was good casting, but it's not his fault. It's just, we, we have scenes that are just mundane, boring details that don't really indicate anything where Boyle and, uh, you got to give credit to, um, uh, fast. Bender. No. Uh, yes, of course. But, uh, the writers, Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin wrote the dialogue, oh, yeah. like the dialogue. So you have this really dialogue, heavy, dense scenes, but they are set with a ticking clock, right? We have three different iterations of these milestone moments. We are barely with Steve's jobs at the reign of his life, but you get a really clear picture of who he was as a person, how he handled relationships, yep, what exactly. he valued. And I think the way this movie frames the, the story, because we start off and it's very forgettable that we start off with her taking the stage at the 1994 American Music Awards. And then we, for no reason, cut to 1981. Like, we don't understand why we just did that yep. until later it is revealed why we're there. And I know this is not a review for this movie, but it's become one. But yeah. if we had just made the entire film, her getting ready to take the stage at that particular performance. And we started to see yeah, her, have these dynamics, it would have been so much better of a story. And it would have emphasized like if the argument is that that performance is the pinnacle of her ability, right? That's the, she peaks in this performance. Then build to that, show that. And it, it the movie, kind of acts like it's very saw like it's like hey if you've been paying attention in the background yeah. of a bunch of shots there were little clues to what we were building up to yeah it is not is it it's but it, it's not it, yeah exactly i know I, I agree my friend this could have been so much more it is just a case of here's two minutes to show that whitney houston was a gospel singer at one point here is her choosing uh i want to dance with somebody or or any of the other fantastic songs you sang here is her singing it move on to the next scene here is her having an argument with her friend about Bobby Brown move on to next. It, it is just, it, you know, the connectivity is, you know, it, it could have been a lot better, John. It, this just stinks of, I don't want to say lazy. It's just lacking. It's biopic one oh one. It's let's tell kind of the major moments, but let's not dive into them. Let's show, not tell. And it mm-hmm. could have been a lot more. And it's a shame because I think Whitney Houston deserves a lot better than the overall product, but that's not a dig. It's Naomi Aki. Cause I think she's, uh, exceptionally good as is stanley tucci um yeah i also watched matilda the musical i did see it at lff but i rewatched it with my daughter because she's desperate to see it but i couldn't take her to the cinema because that was when i was coveted up so she's been wanting to see it for ages um so we sat down and watched it out on streaming and it's and she loved it she thought it was really really very good uh again i thought it's it's good film some of the like you some of the musical numbers are, uh, are very good it just goes on for a bit too long for me. I think it's it's about a two hour long film. Like, you know, get, take a couple of numbers out. I don't. I know everybody's sitting there thinking, guys, guys, come on, everything's not about duration. But 
sometimes you can watch a film and you know i'm matilda you know the momentum was there for the first i don't know maybe hour and 10 minutes and then it kind of sagged for me for about 20 odd minutes 25 and then it picks up a bit towards the end and it's it's those moments where you think are you are you you know are you stretching out a story because you can do or because you've got too many ideas but don't know quite how to interpret them onto, onto your into your narrative into your screenplay but uh that, that said i wasn't bored at any point i just thought at the time i was like you know this is the momentum is going now and it's got to have a strong finish but i, I enjoyed Matilda the musical and i rewatched it with uh, lyle lyle crocodile with olivia she was mm. really wanted to watch that again so we watched that last night she had a great time with that and i still think some of those songs could have snuck into the oscar shortlist but none of them did the the recipe song the recipe song. song with constance Wu is was yeah. great um so and top of the world she loves that song we had a good sing along to that where uh, sean mendes obviously does the the singing and provides the vocals of lyle lyle or lyle the crocodile um as i mentioned i was going to watch skin and rink but i'm going to watch it tonight when she is very much tucked up in bed <laughs> i'm not going to submit it to that subjected to that i'm not an awful father but other than that jb that's really about it i don't think there was much um, there's probably other things i've forgotten about i haven't really had time to watch any listen to any podcasts I haven't really been anywhere been at home watching you know christmas movies have been on tv there's been a lot of christmas stuff going on it's just haven't really sat down to watch it much as i would have done because it's been you know it's been later nights with family so i've got a few more films john to to catch up on to be so i can then say come next week i have watched all of the major releases all of them all of the kind of mid-level ones I wanted to watch and all of the gems. I've only got about three more to do, John, and then that's it for me for 2022. And anything else is a is a, is a bonus. But I do have the Fablemans in my inbox as a FYC-type screener, John. So does that... So, but, but I'm torn. Does that count towards 2023 because it's a UK release then, or is it a 2022 release? Oh, my God. This is the problems we have as transatlantic film critics. But... Um, yeah. Next week, as we mentioned, we'll be talking more about those kind of films. Maybe I will. I will watch it though, JB. However, as this is our last episode of 2022, and it's been a bloody awesome year for film, or has it? Uh, hopefully, it has. It's been bloody awesome doing this show every week, as it will continue to do each and every week going forward. However, to do so, we do have to keep our levels of bloody awesomeness up. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? Well, sir, I've become an at-home barista. Uh, <laughs> I. I, spl- I splurged um, and got a uh, Nespresso uh, Virtuo machine, um, which I did not know. There are two different types of Nespresso coffee. So I do have a bunch of the original Nespresso capsules that I cannot use, that I cannot return. Uh, so if anybody out there um, that knows me has an original Nespresso machine and would like to buy the capsules from me, please reach out on social media. But um, <laughs> I did get the Virtuo machine and I've got a bunch of Virtuo capsules. And man, uh, I, I've just been making lattes and cappuccinos and Americanos, um, left and right. Uh, I do have some decaf, so I'm not like over the top here, but, um, I, I'm enjoying having access to making these types of coffees at a much lower price than going to the, the coffee shop. Um, you know, I'm probably spending about a dollar per latte than like the five to $6 at a Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. Um, so that's been nice. And, uh, you know, also because sometimes it's inconvenient. Like if I'm if I'm not going anywhere, I don't want to drive to get coffee and I then come that. home. Um, and yes, traditional coffee is nice, but espresso 
is so much nicer. So mm-hmm. um, it's been great having this, and uh, I'm I'm very happy with my my purchase. And I'm seething with jealousy over here because, like my PlayStation Five, I've wanted one of those machines for a while. It's a bit like, hey, look, I could have got one during the year, but uh, it, it's something about this time of year sitting down with your new Nespresso machine and having at home Starbucks speaks to me a lot more so i am <laughs> genuinely greener than the star other coffees are available the starbucks logo but my mind john i've just been staying bloody awesome having a christmas come down and i don't mean i've i've crashed and burned but christmas is so frantic sometimes and it's so busy mm. and, and mad that it's nice to kind of sit back and just unwind with all the cool new stuff you've got all the gifts or the clothes or whatever uh, you got for christmas spending time with your immediate family so spending time with olivia watching films we got some sweets the other night or candy you know watching films um some candy or popcorn having a hot chocolate you know chilling out and just enjoying that time that in in this kind of weird week between christmas and new year where we all forget what day it is because nobody's working thankfully the podcast recording helped me remember what day it is um but yeah just enjoying that kind of peace now after the the uh the chaos the storm before christmas of buying hoping everything turns up um wrapping fretting if you've got everything it's quite nice now that all is said and done to just enjoy it now enjoy some time off and chill out and watch some films going forward including a, a, a hardcore nightmare fuel film tonight jb but uh yeah christmas come down which i know a lot of our listeners are going through and uh as we mentioned, this is our last episode of 2022. You know, we're going to be back again next week. However, from we, we want to say, John and myself, you know, thank you everyone for listening. This has been, uh, we've had such great growth this year, haven't we, JB, from last year and the year before that. It's, it's lovely to see more and more people coming in, listening. And uh, we wanted to say quickly, thank you, didn't we, mate, for everyone who's been listening this year, all our new listeners and old. Exactly, sir. I agree completely. Here we go. We are going to be back again next week. We've mentioned that. You know we're going to be. Next week, the first show of 2023 is going to be celebrating or commiserating that over 2022, we're going to be delivering the Bampies, the third annual Bampy Awards, where we host about 11 or 12 categories uh, based on the films that we loved and some which we weren't so fond of in 2022. John, it may just be my favourite episode of any show to record during the year the bampies my friend you excited i am uh, i'm i'm more prepared than in previous years even i've got all of my picks as is right now of course that's still subject Ooh. to change there's a couple of movies um i want to remind you too because you said you're going to try to close out the 2022 films but one of the categories is things that you regret not seeing yes. from the year so you got to leave a couple <laughs> you know off. One. i actually have that one already I've already okay, got that okay. one n- nailed down and uh, of course all will be revealed next week and at the end of that show or during it, we will be dropping, um, I think it's five films that we're anticipating in 2023. Yep. The point being that, Hey, look, let's, let's look forward now. But also when we do the Bampies 2023 in 2024, all those years and numbers, we can look back and think, right, how many of our, you know, collated 10 films, you know, how many were successes in our eyes? So mm-hmm. I'm excited for that next week, John, yeah. but uh, hey. we'll, please carry on. One change to the format, listeners, um, is that mm. last year, Matt and I knew what we had picked. Uh, we were looking at each other's list while we were doing the show. This year, we've done it in a way uh, where we don't know what our picks are. Although, I mean, there's a few things I think we could probably guess about so. what our number one is. But 
uh, we will not know. So when you listen to the episode, we'll be revealing to each other our picks for the first time as well. So uh, if you listened last year and maybe you thought, oh, well, they already know, we don't this year. So it'll be a change in that regard. If we ha- we, it, it is a bit like the Oscars. We have both of our uh our, our awards con- yep. uh, winners and losers we have them on separate google spreadsheets i can't I am access concerned. he can't access mine i i did pay warren Beatty and faye dunaway to come and read my oh, uh list so i am concerned but we'll see what happens um you know they might they might not show up uh they they're a little busy but i know, hear they are um, but we'll have to get an adjudicator to make sure that what you're saying is correct jp but that's the yeah. fun of it. I don't know what I, I know. I know some. I'm sure you can guess some of mine, but for the you know for the most part, I don't know what yours are going to be. I think I've got a few surprises in mind, and I believe you probably have as well. But uh, look, we're getting excited already. That is going to be next week's episode. Tune in for that. But before that, we are going to be dropping our spoiler episode of Knives at uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery that's going to drop on Monday. So check that out. In the meantime, if you want to let us know your thoughts on Glass Onion or just 2022 as a whole as a year in film you can find us online on social media on twitter at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast john where are we on instagram we're at bloody awesome movie pod yes sir we're on facebook a bloody awesome movie podcast individually i can find me online to search what i watch tonight uh, including letterbox on all social medias search for what i watch tonight.co.uk as well and you'll find all of my movie ramblings john where are you at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all these social media platforms yes sir and if you like what we're doing here on the show firstly again thank you everyone to our new listeners who have piled on this year and to the ones who have been there since day one we really appreciate all of you we'd love it if you'd leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice i've seen some of those numbers going up on some of our uh, podcast catchers so thank you again but five stars helps the show grow it gets even more listeners in and it's another way for us to hear from more of you guys each and every week but with that as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Awesome.